definition of evolution. You probably need to listen to this as carefully as you can, because there's a lot of different ideas of what evolution is actually is out there, but this is a def- definition from the Webster Dictionary. It is the process by which different kinds of living organisms are believed to have developed from earlier forms during the history of the earth. Organisms through mutation and adaption evolve into higher forms of life better suited for their environment. Let me explain what I'm saying. And I got this straight from a textbook on evolution, but I have summarised it very quickly. What it really means is that a cell became a worm. And this happened over millions, perhaps billions of years. Then becomes a fish. Then through adaption and mutation becomes an amphibian reptile, which then through adaption and mutation becomes an insect-eating mammal, which then over millions of years through adaption and mutation becomes a primate, that then through adaption and mutation becomes a Neanderthal and finally ends up through the process of evolution where the fittest and the strongest survive, and not just survive but flourish, and reproduce and change. Eventually, we have a process where a single cell, animal, becomes a human being. And it's called evolution. It's adaption, the strongest survive and improve. And in some sense, I guess the most pure believers in evolution would say we're still in the process right now. And you see silly things like, and it is silly, but Hollywood with X-Men and some of these things where they try to to give us the idea that perhaps this is where human beings might go one day with these superpowers adapting to their environment and changing. Now, adaption does happen. I'm not arguing that. And there's evidence of it everywhere. But I would argue, and I'm not going to talk about this for long today, that that adaption is all in the process of God's creative power. Science, a lot of us say that evolution is a, um, is a science of beginnings. It's not. Evolution doesn't answer how it all began. That's a different science. It's called, I can say this right, abogenesis. And that's what deals with beginnings. And this is a claim that somehow life developed maybe... 3.84 billion years ago, life developed from non-living matter. So you've got non-living matter and somehow, and they're not sure how, it jumped from being non-living to living. It jumped and became a living being from non-living matter and then the process of evolution began and we're here where we are today. Problem with abiogenesis, of course, is that we have not got a single example in all of history, not one, of where that has happened, where 
life has formed or started from a non-life source. It, it just has never happened. And so I want to answer today with those definitions. And by the way, abiogenesis and evolution, it's quite correct for a lay person. Some will argue with me about this. But it's quite correct for a lay person to label them all under the title evolution. So are you with me so far? Does it make sense? I'm not saying do you agree with evolution, abiogenesis. I'm just saying does it make sense? Yeah, it does. This is what evolution is. I just wanted to define it for you so that you knew what we were talking about. Well, let's answer the question, should a Seventh-day Adventist Christian incorporate evolution into their paradigm? And I want to start by saying very clearly that if they do, they have massive problems. You will have massive stress in your faith. It will be so massive that eventually you will leave your faith. Because in our world, there is no room for both to reside side by side comfortably. There is no room. And in fact, if you build your foundations on the doctrine and the beliefs of evolution, they will shake you right out of Adventism and Christianity. And if they don't shake you out, you'll become a Christian of such compromise that the message you have will not be blessed by the Holy Spirit and you will be powerless. These two different doctrines, some of them would call theories, one of God creating the world or of evolution, do not walk hand in hand. They cannot lie together in the same bed. And I'm going to share with you why from Scripture that's the case. If evolution is true, and this is my first point, then God is a liar. Now that's a strong statement. It's a statement I don't even like to, to say out aloud. But if evolution is true, God is a liar. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, and if you've got your Bibles, I want you to look at it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God makes a great claim. He says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 26, and you can read the whole chapter of Genesis, and it's a good chapter to read, and it's one that should be read very soberly with the Holy Spirit guiding. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and then step by step God shows us in this chapter how he created the earth. And it's an amazing story as we watch God in thunderous power bring into reality, into existence our planet, including ourselves. It's clear and it's a simple claim by God. It is not an allegory. It is not a, a biblical myth. It is not put there just to give us some, some comfort. God did create, according to the Bible, and if you're a Christian, you, you, you would be taking the Bible as your, your basis. God did create, according to the Bible, the earth in six literal 24-hour solar days. Amen. Now, that's what the Bible says. 
Now, you can argue it scientifically, but you can't argue it theologically. Yes, it is written in poetic form, and it's powerful. You look at the chiasms, the chiastic structure, the poetic structure. I'll show you these these structures one day. They add to the power of the reality of what God is claiming. And if in Genesis 1, God said he created the world, and then I find out later that he didn't, we know I taught Hannah and Danae as small girls what it was to tell a lie. Then God has lied. And we've got to confront that as a people living in the 21st modern culture we live in. One of the things that evolutionary science says is that in Genesis chapter 1, God is lying. You can't wipe it out as a myth. Do you hear me? It's not possible, and I'll show you why. And I'll go this, go through this pretty quickly. In Genesis 14.22, Abraham said, I solemnly swear to the Lord God, most high creator of heaven and earth. Abraham was a believer in God the creator. And right through the Bible, you get evidence of what the Bible worthies, the Bible heroes themselves thought about this theology. Abraham, in a number of places, claims that God was the creator of the world as was recounted in Genesis 1. You can go to Job 36 verse 3. Job, he says, I'll present profound arguments for the righteousness of my creator. So Abraham's a believer in the creator. Was Abraham a liar? Job is a believer in the creator. Was Job a liar? If evolution is true, then God is a liar. And this is where it starts to get really serious. The fall of man is a myth. Think about what is happening here for a moment. It stuns me that some of our brightest minds don't see this. Where are the professors that teach evolution in our universities, our colleges, and sometimes in our schools? Where are the professors looking at these truths from Scripture? How can it happen? How can we as a church... How can we drift so far that this even begins to get traction amongst us? If evolution is true, then the fall of man is a myth. Think of the ramifications of that theologically. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. Now I want to put it to you, Adventist Christians. If the Genesis story of how we came into existence was a myth, then how did sin enter the world? Or is there any such thing as sin? Is it just another biblical concept, another biblical myth? I want to tell you that Satan is a liar and he wants to kill the creation story because he knows that if he can kill the creation story inside our hearts and minds, that he's going to destroy, he's going to destroy the entire foundation of the Bible. 
He destroys the whole concept of sin and how it came in and its devastating impact on us. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand all the challenges that scientists, our Adventists, our Christian scientists must go through. But I do know this, that the moment they trade their faith and their belief in the creation story, they trade away their salvation. When they trade away their salvation and they teach that to our kids, they trade it away in their lives too. And it's a tragedy. And I'm going to tell you as firmly as I can that if you're going to be a man or a woman of the Bible, that you cannot walk with evolution, abiogenesis, in your life. It's not possible. Because the whole Bible story is about the fall of man and about a saviour who came to save us from our depraved, from our depraved condition. Amen. So point three, if evolution is true, then God is a liar and the fall of man is a myth, and this is where it gets real serious, and there is no need of a saviour and the cross. Can you see how I've got to that? Huh? Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, you have the first dramatic, powerful prophecy in all of Scripture. Adam and Eve have fallen. You know the story. Eve took the fruit, Adam joined her. They had separated themselves from the life giver and death was now a part of their experience even though they didn't realise it. They realised they were naked. And by the way, you walk away from God, sooner or later later you're going to realise you're naked too. They realised they were naked. And God comes walking in the garden. You remember the story? Where are you, Adam and Eve? And Adam blames Eve. And Eve blames the snake. And God's heart falls. And if God cries, there would be tears from his eyes as he realised what has happened. And this is what he then looked at them and promised. He said, verse 14, and this promise means nothing if the story of evolution is true. I don't even want to go on in life if evolution's true. If I've got no saviour, I don't know whether I could even face life. And this is his promise. I want to read this promise It burns down through the centuries to me. This is personal. I'm a pastor. I sit next to people when they're dying. I don't want to die with no hope, do you? And it's this promise that sustains people through the darkest times in life, including death itself. It's the most powerful of all promises, and it's just wiped out in one blow if we accept evolution. Because it's a part of the story of our beginning. It's a part of the creation story. It's a part of the fall. And here's what God says to us. He's saying, look, I'm looking to you. He's saying it to you as you sit in the church today. He's saying it to you as you watch this on television. This is God's promise to humanity. So powerful. He says, then the Lord God said to the serpent, God, Yahweh, is now talking to Satan who led us all into this. 
No wonder Satan hates this message because it nails him and it tells him you're done. He says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. You know what this prophecy is saying? Let me unpack it just quickly for you. It's saying, I'm going to send a saviour. Well, God's saying more than that. He says, I'm going to get off my throne and I'm going to come down myself. And you're going to, you're going to strike me on the heel. You're going to hurt me. But God looks at Satan and he says, you know what? I'm going to hit you over the head and I'm going to destroy you as I save the human race. You don't think Satan hates that message with passion. The loser hates the story. In evolution, there is no saviour for sin because sin doesn't exist because there was no fall because we just evolved and it just happened perhaps by chance, but it happened over billions of years. In evolution, you are not created specifically and wonderfully by the hand of God. You are just a random chance. In evolution, there is no law of God that can be broken. In evolution, there is no sin. In evolution, there is no fall. In evolution, there is no need of a saviour. And in evolution, there is no hope for you. Or for anybody else, you will live your life on this earth and then you will finish it and you'll be just another tiny little cog in the great evolutionary process of time. Evolution blots out Jesus. And I don't know as I stand here as a pastor, as a man who's been saved by Jesus, I don't know how after you've been through the conversion experience most of us have been through, how beautiful it is to have Jesus come into your life when there's no hope, to, to experience Jesus leading day after day after day in the, in the little, not the big miraculous things, but the little things in life. To have Jesus like he did with me walk through the darkest road. I don't know how you can experience all that and then turn around and say evolution is an option for Christians. I just don't get it. I stand here. I don't know. Now, I know how the atheists and I know how the agnostics can get there, but I don't know how Christians can go there, and I certainly don't know and understand how Seventh-day Adventists can go there. And if you find yourself going there, by all means, continue to look at all the evidences out there, but get on your knees, get into your Bible and increase your time with Jesus. Do you hear me? Because the greatest evidence you have of Jesus' existence today is Jesus in your heart and the changes he's making to you in your life. Hallelujah, amen. I can see all the science in the world, but in the end I know Jesus exists because of what he's done for me. And no one can argue that with you if you experience Jesus for yourself. And the only thing I can say, 
As when I see Christians, and I, I don't want to be judgmental here. I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm, I'm sharing this with you as a warning message so that it doesn't get in the way of your walk with Jesus. But the only thing I can really say is if you've got a Christian, an Adventist Christian, God forbid, presenting this stuff, teaching it, advancing it, the problem they have is not with their science and biology, it's with their relationship with Jesus Christ. And finally, if evolution exists, there is no Sabbath and there is no rest. Genesis 2, 1 to 3, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Simple, simple, simple language. In the original Hebrew, poetic, rich, convicting and convincing language. But simple language. So the creation, the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Evolution calls that a lie. And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, and you're going to accept it. You're going to have to start to think what you're going to do with the Sabbath. Then in a sense, you probably wouldn't need the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is about rest. The Sabbath is about coming to Jesus and being recreated. You get that, don't you? You know, when you, I've shared this already in this church in the short time we've been here. When you're out there in the world, it's getting a hostile place. If you're going to stand for Jesus, you're going to get hit and you're going to get hit hard. Satan knows that because he's directing the hits. So if he wipes out God the creator, if he wipes out the fall of man, if he wipes out the fact that sins come into the world, and if he wipes out the fact that we don't really need a saviour because there's no such thing as sin and the story never happened, it's just an allegory, then why would you worry about the Sabbath? Because the Sabbath is all about recreation and renewal and rest from the sin-sick world we live in. When we come to Jesus on the Sabbath, praise the Lord, he recreates us piece by piece, he makes us whole. But if you're evolution, you don't need that. You see, this is about foundations. You can choose evolution or you can choose God's way. I want to close by saying this, and I, I challenge you all with this. I, I've done tertiary education at the university level myself. I have a degree. I, I have been exposed enough into the workings of nature to understand the challenges that our geologists, our geographers, I get the biologists, I understand their challenge as they go into the mind of God and try and understand how he created the world. I I understand the realities of adaption, that animals in certain places do adapt and even change to their environment. Sometimes it makes them stronger even. A God-created ability. But I do get the challenges that they have. But remember, I'm talking, and I'm talking to you about foundations. If you choose to accept evolution as one of the building blocks in your life, then every time you are, you encounter a challenge, 
to your faith or a challenge to the biblical record of how it happened. If evolution is already there as a building block, then you don't see it through the you do not see the challenge through the eyes of scripture. You see the challenge through the eyes of evolution and you go that way. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Huh? You go that way. This is my challenge to you, and it's my challenge to our professors and our lecturers in our university, men and women. It's our challenge to our young people who sit here today, who are watching this on television. Here's my challenge. Do not put down in your life the foundation stone of evolution. Put down the foundation stone of Jesus Christ. Do it by faith. There is plenty of evidence out there to give you comfort in a creator. A lot of evidence. And that is why there are so many thousands of scientists worldwide who are Christian Bible-believing followers of Jesus because they put their foundation stone down into Christ. And when they see challenges, they're confronted with them too. But rather than wipe out the biblical account and rather than wipe out Jesus and everything that Jesus has done for us, you know what they do? They look at it through the eyes of Scripture and it changes the conclusions that they come to. And they're prepared to be patient with God and wait on God with the questions and the challenges that they have no answer for, but they never trade their faith. And they never trade their walk with Jesus Christ for this other godless walk called evolution. I have three books sitting on my bedstand next to my bed, three of the brightest scientists on the planet, all believers in Jesus Christ, in Jesus the Saviour, and in the six-day story of creation. And when you go out there, there's plenty of evidence. I don't have time now to, to talk about too much of it, but you know, you look at the interconnectivity of nature. You look at the current running down here past the east coast of Australia. Do you know what it's called? The what? Does anyone know what it's called? What about the current running up past North America? you know what that's called? You know what these currents do? They bring the warmth into our land so that we can grow our food and we can live in temperate climates. You look at the moon and its gravitational pull on the tides. You look at the sun and how it's just the right distance from the planet for life. You look at the migratory instincts that have been implanted in the minds of birds and animals. You look at how a tree can suck up hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water with a pump that is totally silent. Oh, I wish we had some pumps like that in my valley. Because the pumps we use to suck water up make a lot of noise. Well, they're getting better, but they still make noise. And you look at the interconnectivity of animals, how they bless each other with what they do for each other. And look, it's just everywhere. 
And so you choose where you put your foundation stone down. Today I chose God, amen? That doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue to study nature. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be challenged because I will be. But I choose God and I thank I thank him that he sent Jesus into my life. I'm going to, my foundation stone is Jesus and I continue to look at this subject through him and I pray you will too.